0: hey jimmy hey angela this is books Books are Are
1: good Good.
0: actually Actually. and this year started off a little bumpy but we're Mm -hmm. back and Mm -hmm. uh, we're back to talk about uh our december book revolutionary Mm -hmm. suicide by huey p newton
1: it's pretty good
0: yeah it's pretty good it's (laughs) uh well We'll get into it uh, with our second question, uh, but first, uh, I guess our first question is: What did you know about Huey before reading *Revolutionary Suicide*? And I guess I'll just start since I'm already talking, because that's how that works. Um, I didn't really know much about Huey P. Newton before this book, really. I think I know like him as a name that like showed up, but like in terms of like Black Panther. But like I didn't and, you know, he started Black Panthers and he helped write the 10 uh, 10 demands. And after that, I kind of just didn't really know much about his life. So this book was an interesting insight um, into it from his perspective, which is also very interesting, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, What about you, Jimmy?
1: Functionally the same, which is really interesting, given that, you know, he formed the Black Panther Party. Um, that, like, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily due to, say, the whitewashing of history, um, or if it's uh, a successful drive on to his part to have the Black Panther Party be more than just an individual or individuals. Um, but I, I functionally knew nothing other than his name and that extremely iconic photograph of him
0: yeah exactly
1: Mm -hmm. okay so given that and given what we've read what are your thoughts on revolutionary suicide and it can be both the book itself as well as the concept
0: um so as a the book itself i thought was pretty interesting uh looking to kind of this i think it just better describes um and also this is part of a problem with like my education i did, probably didn't read a lot of books from like black authors a whole lot so mm-hmm. or if i did it was mostly just on slavery and mm-hmm. you know, like kind of that type of stuff so having a more contemporary book about growing up like in california during the 50s and 60s or sorry 40s to 50s and then um just the school system and things like that, and just how much, like, he was just set up to fail Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, just that oppression coming down. Um, And the concept of revolutionary suicide is a very interesting one. Uh, It is definitely kind of like, it's almost, to me, kind of the same as the um, positive uh, nihilism, where or Mm -hmm. maybe uh, there's like passive nihilism and then there's like kind of an active nihilism where nothing matters and that's a good thing because that means you can kind of start making changes towards that and i think revolutionary suicide is kind of the same in which you want to have a better world and you know that probably most likely the state will come down onto you but at least you're kind of going out on your terms that will hopefully inspire other folks to keep the movement going forward Instead mm-hmm. of reactionary, which is like I'm falling under despair um, because of the oppressive system, so mm-hmm. it's more of a react, uh, not reactive, but a more of a active push against the system than the system pushing against you. And I, mm-hmm. I find that kind of you know inspiring. Um, it's you know it you know suicide is a very like fucking awful thing. The thought of just like it's kind of a it's a the term is very visceral, but mm-hmm. It's kind of very hopeful in a very mm-hmm. weird way, um, you know, but so, yeah, I think, I think the concept put forward here is interesting. Hey, uh, I guess as we go along with some of our questions, kind of like maybe why that kind of faded away, you know, as Huey kind of faded away in history, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I agree. Absolutely. Um, it was Fascinating from like a modern historical perspective because like so much of the framing of the of the forties is like World War II, um and like union struggles and then the 50s being like post-World War II, like America in ascendance and like strength of unions, blah 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 blah. Um, you very rarely see in like modern Uh, remembrances of the 40s and 50s and 60s, the existence of Black people, what their day-to-day was like, what school was like, what uh, police oppression was like, what uh, capitalist oppression was like. And that is something that he focuses on a lot, uh, not just like the oppression of school and the oppression of police, but the relentless onslaught of a um, eternally speeding up treadmill that Black Americans were forced to run on or get thrown off of um, without the assistance post-World War II that white Americans got in hand over fist from the United States government.
0: Yeah. um, So, like, his... uh, I think his dad did get drafted right i thought i don't recall if his father did but i know his mom went to work
1: i thought they moved to the west coast to work for um the the naval yards
0: yes that was it yeah i was like he some they moved yeah okay so they worked at the naval yards and then kind of once the war ended they was like all right you can fuck off now also don't be here anymore um i thought his i thought what was very interesting um because about his family was the fact that his mom didn't work and like my I mean, grandmother... outside of
1: like uh sorry societal perpetuation yes. yeah uh, a huge amount of work with that many kids
0: yes right uh i'm sorry i'm not trying to downplay her not working, for sure but um like my grandmother worked at like a Ford factory for most Absolutely. of her life, right? So it's just very interesting to have like, oh, we're on this like never-ending treadmill because like there's just no there was no way for like this family to ever like get out of any type of debt from just you know living life and anything. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know yeah. if that uh, played into how I think Huey kind of thought of women. Which mm-hmm. he kind of mentions, like, yeah, that, uh, religion and just kind of things how he was brought up. Kind of, uh, I, I feel like he probably didn't take women very seriously for a moment until
1: he yeah. heard
0: from other folks.
1: Yeah, um, I I absolutely agree with that, especially given like he mentioned multiple times that his father specifically like did not want his wife to work. And also, like, would essentially, like, get into, like, honor-fueled feuds or, like, honor, like, altercations over people disrespecting his wife. Yeah. Um, Which, in some viewings, can be like, oh, that's, like, very, like, heroic of him and, like... Created or like fostered in Huey, the feeling like that you you should stand up to oppressive forces. But on the other hand, it's like, is he doing that because he views his wife more as property than someone who like he's like trying to have a partnership with? Because like he, in some ways, is like putting his life on the line multiple times, uh, over like words.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Which, it's, yeah. yeah, it's very interesting kind of Huey's framing of that. Um, of course, you know, he doesn't interview his parents for this. Um, we don't really get a yeah. sense of kind of how that relationship is or sorry, was. So, mm-hmm. uh, we're, you know, we're just kind of speculating. I just thought it was an interesting kind of like data point with like his life of just kind of like, yeah, my you know, my mom never worked. She, you know, my dad didn't want her to work. And it's like, this was during a time when a lot of Black women were working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they were working as maids and other stuff. But, this, but there were also women that were in the factories working and getting a yes. pretty decent wage. Um, yes. Probably less wage than like the other white counterparts. But Absolute. it was Absolute. definitely a wage. So I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing to note.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also plays into he talks uh in a chapter about his like views on relationships and he essentially was kind of holly um it, it essentially seems like he was more devoted to not at least at first before he came upon like the idea of revolutionary suicide and marxist ideals that he was more devoted to just not getting sucked into uh, the capitalist rat race than like actively opposing it. And one of those ways was we can date, you can date other people, I can date other people, like let's not get into any agreements as far as like um, bank accounts or like not getting married. But then at the same time, he's like, like, it feels like the the sort of situation where, like, I mean, at least so far as we're being told, he's telling them all of this. We don't know, like, what conversations he's actually having with these women. um But in that chapter, he talks about, like, multiple women, like, trying to win him over by essentially doing all of his household chores and cooking and what have you. And it, it feels very, like potentially emotionally exploitative
0: yeah um i think he kind of commented on that when he's like oh yeah they did all of my cho- you know did all my laundry cooked for me all the stuff and mm. i didn't you know he was like i think at the time i didn't really realize that they were taking care of me because you know he was kind of used to that right like his mom was at home and did all that so the woman in these relationships also kind of did that because they're also you know that's how they probably thought oh i can win him over by making like Mm -hmm. looking like i can take care of him Mm -hmm. and then be be, you know or uh maybe not that maybe it could just be like that's just what i'm supposed to do yeah you know
1: because that that was also definitely in the air at that time for sure i mean it still is yeah um So circling back to revolutionary suicide, um, not the concept just yet, but the book, Um, beyond being really insightful into a period of time that doesn't get a lot of representation for a group that doesn't get a lot of representation, um, no one's making Mad Max, uh, not Mad Max, uh, Mad Men, about uh, the Black experience in the 50s. Right. Um, at the same time, the the book itself, the way it's laid out, uh, it, it feels very genuine. Like, it honestly, like, it doesn't feel like a publisher went through and polished this for, like, mass media. But it also feels a bit scattered at times.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Um, a lot of the early chapters seem to focus on an idea rather than uh continuing chronologically so there's a good amount of overlap in times and just what's being discussed uh as happening in those times is different uh which can make it a little confusing to keep track of who he's meeting and what's going on yeah um on the other hand that probably does a really good job of well, one it does a good job of like presenting the ideas that he wants to present versus like just telling the narrative of its life cuz he he does do a good job of telling the uh a i'm not going to say like nitty gritty cuz then we need a couple thousand more pages uh But a rough approximation of what his life was like to grow up and then what his pre-revolutionary into revolutionary, like adult life was like and the ideas that he was grappling with. Um, I think it also does a good job of approximating the sort of the the zeitgeist in a way for that time, especially the early and mid-60s um just in that like so much is going on um and it's hard to keep track of uh i'm sure if we were living in the bay area uh at that time like the way the first half of the book is is framed and gone over would make a bit more sense just for how scattered like keeping track of world events at the time might have felt like.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I de- There was definitely like a good like back and forth kind of like once they kind of got out of childhood and went to college, it was just like mm-hmm. this weird, oh yeah. And then like little Bobby Sutton and like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, but wait, when did you meet? It was, yeah, that was a little bit hard to follow at times Um, until yeah. like his court cases, like that stuff kind of started happening. But then yeah. even after like he got out, there was still this weird back and forth like, oh yeah, there's all these other things going on, which I guess kind of lends to when he was getting like trickle in news or whatever. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was being overwhelmed with news about what was going on and trying to keep things together. So.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it could definitely do with like a companion reader. Yeah. Uh, or just like a, a fold out timeline. Yeah that like came comes along with it um it, that that would definitely aid in like keeping track of what is happening who is where and when and like yeah um otherwise like as far as his his style goes and his uh messaging both very good uh, yeah some of the early chapters like Once I got the idea that he was trying to hammer home, I was like, okay, how many more chapters in this, or pages in this chapter? Three. Okay, that's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: If it had been, like, 30 a chapter, I would have been like, uh, like, (laughs) are you going somewhere further with this, or are we just hitting this idea? But thankfully, he keeps all those early chapters where he's, like, trying to talk about an idea relatively, like, short, like, 10, 12 pages. trial was really good yeah um i mean obviously not the trial itself um that was three farces in a row in my opinion um it's crazy that apparently some people still contend that he shot those cops
0: Dude, but, I, I guess I'm not fucking surprised because anybody still had, thinks there's a JFK conspiracy theory. But, like, dude, if you get shot in the fucking gut, you're no. not doing jack shit.
1: Yes. One, yes to that. Two, also definitely hysterical, still a conspiracy.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: There there were no multiple shooters. However, <laughs> I still feel like the CIA is behind us somehow
0: somehow some way there was like somebody who had a one brief case of like CIA cash that got stolen from something else and it was used to buy the gun or some shit and that's how they're like indirectly 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 involved or, or
1: even if it's just like we know about this guy and we're not going to do anything about him because yeah. we like sowing chaos right now that's yeah. we literally have a program called chaos Right now. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's a guy who used to be in the USSR as a communist and he does whatever in the US, we can be like communists bad. Great. True.
0: True. True. Uh, true. True.
1: So anyway, um, but yeah, he does a really good job with conveying the frustrations and the like insanity of his trial and Or being someone who didn't have access to a ton of writing material does a good job of, and I'm sure there's assistance from his lawyers and their notes. Right. uh, But does a really good job of conveying, like, a breakdown of the prosecution's arguments and the successful, like, cross examination of. by by the defense, Um, also does a really good job of, uh, for the most part, of putting you in prison, and in particular in solitary confinement with him. Um, Yes, yeah. I mean, not like psychologically, like he doesn't make you feel confined, because once again, this whole thing is speeding along pretty quickly, Um, but like the things that were done the environment, the way he had to engage with the lack of stimulus uh, was really well done. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Good book. Uh, As for revolutionary suicide, the concept, excellent concept. Um, And I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I went on like a 20 minute rant to my partner uh, just before recording um because uh i read over a bunch of links uh discussing the the concept and its application to more modern situations and it's insane to me uh it's it's both not insane to me and insane to me how this is not something that is talked about pretty commonly like because we we've seen huge like episodes of this huge engagements with this idea in the modern era and nobody uses the words revolutionary suicide to describe it. like 9/11 uh, Anders Breivik right uh, like a climate activists immolating themselves uh insurgents in Iraq and Afghanistan like they're they're all forms of revolutionary suicide, irrespective of what you think regarding their politics and their their goals. Like the fact that these things are not framed in this way. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get yeah. to that. it's question seven. <laughs> um, do you have any feelings on the concept itself?
0: Uh, I think I explained it earlier. I thought it was. Uh yeah, I thought the concept is very interesting. Um, I guess we'll kind of get into it a bit more. Uh, as question seven. Uh,
1: do you want to start question three?
0: Sure. Uh, given prior books we've read about uh, Black Panther Party in the late '60s, what rang true to you regarding his life experiences, and what seemed a bit larger than life? Um, so we talked about this briefly like a week ago, and The things that he dealt with, like his childhood, uh, like the school system, the some of the stuff that happened, um, his interactions with the police, those seem pretty like on like believable. Mm -hmm. However, there's been times where he talks about um, reading books about law and police study stuff and then using that against the police was a little suspect to me um it kind of read as a it just fell off not that because he couldn't read or whatever because he did figure that out i totally Mm -hmm. kind of like yeah that that tracks but like just the oh yes and then i told that police officer to get or i went to i helped you know get out a ticket or help other people get out a ticket for stuff that i stole or whatever and i'm just like i don't know dude this is a time where they just pinned they pinned you on anything Mm-hmm. They try to pin you killing cops. That that has happened, you know, like several years later. It was just I don't know, a little a little too suspect, but I mean, yeah, maybe he tricked some dudes and that's how it is. But I don't know how successful that really was. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Um sorry, I don't mean tricked, I, I mean probably convinced them to not, you know, yeah like to drop the case or whatever.
1: I I think that that was more like Cause like they're, they're modern examples of this, like they're, they're on YouTube, like people have YouTube channels where all they do is like go and record police stations from like public land. And then the police come out and are like, Hey, stop. And he's like, uh, not he, they're like they're they're like, well, actually no, according to this law and this law fuck off. Um, and it tends to work. Um, but I I think it has to do more with known scrutiny gotcha, than necessarily like him accurately citing the law and the cops understanding that law and then retreating due to an understanding that they don't have the right to do what they're doing. Because uh, one, we know the cops don't know the law uh, because there have been Supreme Court cases where... The Supreme Court has said that cops don't have to know the law. Um, they also don't, uh, especially at the time, wouldn't necessarily, and even now, they don't care right. if they're breaking the law or not following the law properly. Um, so I really think it's scrutiny and the fact that like it's being done so in both a, a charismatic and aggressive manner. Like. Ex- extreme confidence. Right. Is is very off putting. For people in power. I think. um And. I mean that's why like. It didn't work. The morning he got shot. Right. Because it was 4am. There's one other guy in the car with them. And like it's not like. He was coming out of nowhere. Like. They pulled him over, had no other witnesses, and as much as he can be confident, at it, it seems like the drop of a hat, anytime he wants to, um, race cops are gonna do what they want to do. Like they don't, they don't actually care what the law is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I can I can see that. I know. Just sometimes the way, just the way it was written freak, was absolutely. kind of. Like, I was like, I I don't know, dude. Um, But, you know, I can see him definitely getting out of situations. And I guess I'll check out those YouTube videos about people doing the same thing because I'm just always, I guess I'm not a confrontational person. And I just Mm -hmm. be like, I know, like, it'll get sorted out later, uh, which in some situations that probably will never, like, that won't always be the case. But yeah. so um, I'm curious kind of how does that look? Uh, Yeah. So I'll check this out.
1: Sometimes it uh, it's due to scrutiny and them knowing the law because they're recording. Sometimes it works for them just from, like, their extreme confidence and the cops being like, you're going to be too much trouble to deal with today. Uh, this isn't that big of a thing. I'm just going to leave. Gotcha. Um, I have watched videos of, like... Uh, like a week ago, somebody analyzing somebody else's video about where where they were driving through uh, a, like a stop for like goods coming across the state line between Nevada and California, like um uh, agricultural goods. and they okay. they were carrying agricultural goods. They had a trailer that they were hauling, and they had crossed a couple times previously and hadn't had to do. an inspection, and then finally they were stopped as they wanted to be stopped, so they can refuse uh, to do an an inspection. Uh, But what they didn't understand is that uh, inspections have already been ruled by the Supreme Court to not be a search and seizure, because they're a function of the administrative state attempting to apply taxes. and the state gets a lot more leeway for fiscal things. Like, is it a certain seizure for you to have to tell the government how much money your employer made, uh, your employer paid you every year when you have to do your taxes? No. Right. Because we all agreed that, like, to have a functioning society, we need to be able to pay for infrastructure projects and pay for the support of members of our society who can't support themselves or don't have the means to support themselves because we live in a terrible society. Um, And so anyway, this guy ends up having the cops called on him. They're the nicest fucking cops they can possibly be to this guy. They just want him to go back to the checkpoint and have the produce that he's bringing through to Nevada checked. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. And so then he gets arrested. Um but uh yeah, it's they're they're interesting. Uh sometimes they go really well and uh sometimes they go really poorly.
0: Yeah, I can see yeah, uh, it went very poorly.
1: Yeah. Um something that I feel like was an exaggeration in his book was his position on the rate of homosexuality in uh, the penal colony that he was in. Yeah. Um. Cause, like, what the fuck, dude?
0: Yeah. Like, I'm not super surprised there's some like homophobia going yeah. on.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. That was such a like. What the fuck are you even taught? Like, no, I don't. What? No, it was weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, where is it? Um, Quote, these men were exploited and controlled by the guards in the system. Their sexuality was perverted into a pseudo-sexuality that was used to control and undermine their normal yearnings for dignity and freedom. Uh, The system was the pusher in this case, and the prisoners were forced to become addicted to sex. Love and vulnerability and tenderness were distorted into functions of power, competition, and control. Homosexual love at the penal colony was routinely simple. Each inmate, except me, had a key to let himself in and out of his cell during the day. Uh, A date would be made at mealtime or in the shower, and a point man stationed outside in the hall to warn of approaching guards. This last step was unnecessary. The guards were content to look the other way as long as things stayed cool. Only political action brought quick, repressive steps. The guards was simply threatened to put the political offender on a bus and send him away from his lover. These threats always worked. As a matter of fact, many guards were themselves homosexuals.
0: There's... No. Like, come on, dude.
1: Yes. Like, no. Yeah. Uh, Especially, like, at the time of, like, how aggressive anti-homosexuality could, like, was just in the zeitgeist. No.
0: Yeah, there was, and also I just don't really believe the guards would just look the other way when that shit happens. You know, I feel like they would just beat the fuck out of like that would just be oh, y'all are together and I caught you like time to beat the shit out of y'all
1: and yeah, you know absolutely, (laughs) absolutely like they they would for sure take that as like another thing to to use as a weapon. Yes. Um, another weird and gross thing was, um, from the section on his dating life that I linked above that, uh, and it's real short, just quote, uh, this was regarding a woman that he was dating at the time. She was a beautiful Afro-Filipino free spirit child woman who lived with a passionate intensity. Life with her was spontaneous, unpredictable, and filled with surprises where she had the unself-consciousness of an impulsive and and then it cuts off. Um, he was in his, I think, early 20s when he was dating her?
0: Yeah, seems like that. It's, it definitely when he like so, was in college-ish.
1: So what is a child woman then? Is it just she's so small? Or is she like 15?
0: I think uh there's okay so i will oh, do my oh. my best good faith argument uh i uh-huh. think it's probably because she's a small lady also he's just infantilizing her uh because yes. of that free yes. spirit shit um yes. and also this is kind of one of those i think one of those terms that uh probably like you know if we probably read more books in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. this i think this term will probably come up a bit more or it'll make more sense in context mm-hmm. i uh bad faith it's a teenager um but
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's like i'm not i'm leaning towards it's not a teenager just because i think her parents probably would have been a little bit more well this was no. the period of a lot
1: of people just running away to california
0: yeah and a lot of people just parents being like oh well that's the youth um yeah hmm. yeah i don't know it's Definitely, I. It's definitely infantilizing, for sure. Yes. Um yes. But I do not know the exact age. Um yeah. And that can get kind of
1: icky. Yes. Um, on the everything that he wrote about the Black Panther Party, uh, that all rings true, for sure. Yeah. Um, sometimes hard to follow, just once again due to like the lack of chronological order but yeah all seems
0: true yeah i think um i know i was kind of slightly disappointed in that aspect of the black panther party pieces i think uh what probably doesn't help is like he did have this ongoing like legal stuff going on so it's just kind of difficult to kind of get a sense of just like what the party was kind of doing and just kind of like how the workings were going like i want to know about the central committee and like how were they expanding like how did they have embassies in algeria you know algiers uh-huh. and like uh-huh. uh, other places like that and you know that just wasn't really described And i, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that because uh-huh. you know like you know the fbi came so, down on them like a fucking shit ton of bricks so it's kind of like all right yeah. obviously there were threats i kind of want to know like how did that all get organized
1: So it sounds like we're probably going to have to read a book specifically on the Black Panther Party. Yeah. Probably also a book about Bobby Seale. Probably also a book about Eldridge Cleaver. And it wouldn't hurt to read George Jackson. Yes, for sure. Um, I've heard really good things about George Jackson's writing. Um, But, yeah, it, it definitely feels like a bird's eye view. For sure. You don't get the day to day. You don't get the like how how does the organization actually function? Which is understandable given the circumstances of what Huey was going through. But definitely from like someone the, the position of like what but how do organizations function though? Like especially revolutionary organizations, like you you don't get that.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, that's I that was like kind of my thing I wanted to have more insight on but you know uh yeah i'm interested in kind of reading books that focus specifically on how did they expand how did they do like their community outreach and things like that you know uh and also i guess the eventual just collapse of the black panther party
1: yeah um definitely uh, frustratingly it's also like hard to keep track of like what is going on with Eldritch Cleaver, uh, just because, like, he was in jail for a lot of the fallout there. Um, and it, I I don't understand how, like, someone who early on makes so many, like, erratic choices continues to be in a position of power.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the most interesting part because I'm just like, did he have a bunch of sympathizers in there that, mm-hmm. you know, or did he have so much power over people that they're like, okay, Hughes in jail, people are dying, uh, people are about to go on, tr- you know, we have to try to support all these different court cases going on. We also need to have all these embassies and other stuff. You have to kind of just wonder, you know, yeah, how did he manage to work himself into that position? And so it's kind of obvious, Hughes in jail, like, all that shit's going on. And yeah. then also, kind of just keep being a fuck up in a lot of cases. Um yeah. so yeah I'm kind of interested in the inner workings of
1: of this. hmm hmm Um yeah, definitely, definitely needs to go on the book list. Um so Black Panther Party in specific bobby seal in specific Albert Cleaver in specific in short Jackson. Um, so, what did... I guess we're on to... What did we learn about the Black Panther Party that we didn't know or understand before? Um, I didn't know, like, how quickly things, like, all went to shit and, yeah, like, how yeah. quickly the federal government was to, like, hyper-target them.
0: Yeah, it was... I. Exactly. Like, I was surprised. I was like, okay, 67, and then 69, we're all fucked. Out in 71, oh, things are really bad. Um, that was, yeah, that was a very quick turnaround. And yeah. I guess, of course, you know, our Luther King Jr., once that shit kind of, like, went down, I think they were on hyper alert for any leftists, you know, Black folks, any other, you know, minorities, Try to shut all that shit down. Um, mm-hmm. yeah they you know and of course they had their informants because you know black folks were so downtrodden it was like hey here's some cash like we can make a lot of this kind of go away for you um yeah. you know was maybe kind of easy in some cases
1: mm-hmm. yeah no it's it it's it's i mean it just goes to show like how hungry uh a lot of the american populace was for radical change and how quickly people were willing to get on board with it Um, and how unfortunate it is that the United States government crushed it and that it crushed itself through like mismanagement and infighting
0: yeah Um, it kind of reminds me of like motivation to start a new thing. Okay. So like, you know, January 1st, New Year's resolutions, you are like motivated to do whatever you want to do, like lose weight or whatever. And then you realize <laughs> later on, oh shit, like that motivation has gone. And you have to kind of just, it's kind of discipline, setting up habits, blah, 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 blah. I sometimes think maybe that was kind of the downfall a little bit of just everything was starting too fast. Mm -hmm. And they made themselves a known presence, like, way too fast. Um, I mean, I agree with the, like, going to, you know, Capitol Hill with your guns. That that was a good form of protest. But I'm kind of like, that was good. But, like, expanding into other countries, was that a good idea? Like, you know, these types of things where those funds could have gone to probably helping other people get out of
1: jail for things
0: like that. You know, it's a little... Also uh, the, yeah. the
1: hubris of like so like early on when they're like forming the Black Panther Party, they've read a bunch of like revolutionaries, like works, and they're like, Well, we we have to approach this with like a sense of imminent critique. We can only determine a revolutionary path based on like the lived experience and the conditions of Black people and uh, the experiences of other minorities um, for America. But then to like take those tenants and then try and do them in another country. It's like, yeah, you, you formed the Black Panther Party with this understanding. Like, why do you think you can essentially transplant that into a different series of like, situations and like cultural like history yeah um yeah so that yeah having having an international wing I think it stems from them becoming just more Maoist um but I feel like they should have just stuck to like providing say financial support for revolutionary organizations in other countries if they were going to do anything internationally rather than establishing their own international wings um also a lot harder to clean up fucking house if you have to go to another country to do so
0: yeah which is what fucking cleaver did he was just like all right bond like oh yeah we're gonna like catch him wherever it's like my guy he's just gonna be in the when it doesn't matter like just because oh you oh we'll catch him when he goes to the embassy there if he's been over there and like sowing his own seeds and like trying to get people on his side it it's game over like it's been game over
1: yep um so yeah definitely definitely some mistakes um i so i do want to say that like i feel like the speed at which they established national organizations in different states was really good. Yes. Um, If they had the, like, if there was more of a party apparatus, an organized party apparatus that wasn't constantly being thrown in jail, uh, or if that party apparatus didn't have as much, like, contradiction in aims and goals. Um it it definitely could have been a lot more successful with the speed that it had because like the desire was there. But yeah. Um also definitely something that he runs into later in the book is like people just want like an emotional engagement with their issues. They don't want to like sit and hear theory, which understandable. Yeah. But, like, you, you also have to understand theory to be able to make good decisions, and if yeah. you have a bunch of, like, offshoots of your organization that don't have guidance or don't have that solid understanding of theory, they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to get caught up.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like not having a code of conduct for your organization. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. when things pop up, you don't have a document or anything to refer back to when things kind of start going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought was in- what was interesting was, like, initially Huey seemed like, okay, we got my shotguns, we got my guns. And then I think as Cleaver kind of went way more, like, more power, like, you're a coward if you don't pick up a gun, Huey kind of just backed off that um mm-hmm. which i thought was very interesting mm-hmm. i kind of wish he went a bit more into that like kind of why he differed with cleaver on that i mean granted i think part of that you know is probably just personal mm-hmm. shit going on like that's part of it's personal uh, mm-hmm. But i'm kind of wondering what you know did he get some type of uh insight from you know being in, in prison um going yeah. to china that he was just kind of like oh, maybe we should kind of like back away from the guns because it it brought in people who only cared about the violence and not yeah. advancing people um so
1: i would think that his if we were to ask him like today i imagine his position would be that they were not engaging in revolutionary suicide right that they were that because of the nature of their obsession with violence, like, it wasn't for the right reasons. It was reactionary. It was often solely to further, like, the aggrandizement of Cleaver, at least from Huey's position.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and that also makes me think of a ninth question uh, that... Uh, comes up from a lot of the articles I linked. Um, so uh, I won't go into it here, but I will type out the question so that we can remember to talk about it.
0: Sure. Um, so uh, do we want to move on to the next question? I think we probably sure. got this good. Okay, uh, next one is solitary confinement is a large focus of the book, what would you take away from Huey's experiences with it?
1: Um, hmm. Well, uh, solitary, at least in its uh, cultural, like uh, the, the images and like representations of it that we get these days, uh, it cult- solitary seems a bit better back then. Depending on where you were, like I mean, he's still shitting in a hole, right? Um, so that fucking sucks. At least they get toilets now, um, but I, it seemed like he had more space than the current like cultural impression of solitary confinement uh, provides. Um, still seems like a a mind fuck. Like I don't think I
0: could do it. Oh no, yeah. It's fucking torture, uh, straight yeah, up. And absolutely. um, you know, it's uh yeah, it's a mind fuck. Uh the fact that he kind of did like a very uh meditative like uh yeah, he kind of went to a more meditative like trance about it and uh managed to come out of it pretty much like, Yeah, you can't fuck with me anymore. I like I went through the worst. You mm-hmm. like there's nothing else worse than like what I already been to. So mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, very, like, heroic in that aspect. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, no, I know. I would not be able to do that, especially with, like, no books, nothing to read, nothing to really, mm-hmm. like, do, except it's just your mind and shitting in a hole and not getting any sunlight maybe for 30 minutes, maybe, like, a week. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty fucked. Uh, yeah. And honestly, this, this you know... His first solitary confinement uh, obviously shaped him. Like, it's a very big impact full mm-hmm. thing on his life. And that's completely understandable. Uh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: I, I don't know if it's because he already had, like, a formation of revolutionary suicide and had an idea of the forces that he was being put up against before he went into solitary. Um, or like if he's just like a one in a million right um because like yeah i i i don't know it it would definitely be interesting to read like uh a historiography of the prison industrial complex and and in particular like of solitary um but yeah i don't know i could uh, no fucking way.
0: Yeah, no way. Right. Um,
1: uh... hmm. So, I guess we'll just move on. Uh, despite having a large immediate impact on U.S. local and national politics, the Black Panther Party seems to be a ghost story or mythology to today's political scene. Why is this? Do you agree or disagree with this framing? Thoughts? Uh,
0: I think, honest, it's... Black Panther Party does feel like a relic of the past because the there's been a lot of whitewashing with Martin Luther King Jr. and his socialist leanings. I read a lot of Malcolm X, but he probably, you know, had some critiques about capitalism. So like since we're kind of papering over the anti-capitalist things about the civil rights stuff and then kind of being like, "Oh, Black Panther Party is the uh, is the the more radical and scary thing so it just feels like it's it's like let's just shove that in the closet and like kind of forget about it or make it more of this like weird boogeyman type thing and also doesn't help that some of the like people who claim their black panther party are just a bunch of just weirdos like yes. or coast players so that doesn't help like yes. the image is just kind of just tarnished um yeah. as we saw yeah. in uh
1: 2020 yeah um. Yeah, I. I definitely also think that a part of the lack of an understanding or engagement with the ideas or continuation of the ideas of the Black Panther Party is due to um, the cocaine and crack and then opioid epidemics. Yeah. Um. Just because, like so, so much of the, the places, so many of the places that could have like uh, participated and organized under, even if it wasn't necessarily directly Black Panther Party, but like continuations of the ideas of the Black Panther Party were so busy with just trying to survive the onslaught of the the like these epidemics these in my opinion government organized right drug epidemics um and uh, organiza- organizing takes energy it takes yeah. time it takes effort it takes money and all of those things were either sucked into buying drugs or sucked into Trying to deal with the drugs that are heavily impacting your community.
0: Yeah. Um, And there's probably also, besides the drugs, there's probably other weird financial shit that, you know, went down. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely in the 70s. Definitely Mm -hmm. in the 80s. So forever. Um, So, like, there was just no way to call yourself out of that just hole Mm -hmm. that someone else kind of put you in. Um, Yeah. Like, Absolutely. It it just takes a very, very long time. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I can see it from that way, too.
1: Uh, do we think that in the current day, there is space for a legitimate resurgence of the ideals of the Black Panther Party, if not the organization itself?
0: I think the ideals can be... I think some people have kind of used some of the ideals of a lot of like community action and Mm -hmm. like taking care of the community. I think as I've kind of mentioned in the past, uh, as much as Americans love our guns, we're kind of very resistance to political violence. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be that one area where people be like, oh, we don't want to look like the Black Panther Party, you know, or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of reference them Um, or and then. You know the the weatherman weatherman weather Weathermen. weather underground weather
1: underground yeah,
0: yeah. uh you know when cleaper like was writing to them and being like hey we want to <laughs> we start with you guys and he was like what the fuck is this shit that was a uh, I thought that was kind of like funny but also just like man that just kind of sucks y'all just smiled hella hard once once everything was going on so um I think, yeah, most of the tenants, but I think the violence one is always going to be the, like, well, we already had enough violence. So, like, maybe not.
1: Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate, because that just means any revolution is going to take just so much longer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, side note, uh, not sure how well my cat's being picked up by the microphone, but he's here. I and do not
0: hear your cat. So... Okay,
1: good. Guest star, Katos. Yes. Um, okay, so I I I do agree that with the, the framing of the question that it is like a part of the left's mythology, but because of that, it's like been mistranslated or like just not widely known. And I feel like a big part of that is exactly what you were touching on. A lack of desire to engage in or understand the positioning of organizations that promote, like, revolutionary violence. Yeah. It's it's just not something the left wants to. And by left, I mean, like, liberals and, like, social Democrats, like, people who are, like, anti-capitalist but believe that change can occur within capitalism. Um, they, it's just something they don't want to want to consider is necessary. Yeah. And and that's why the Black Panther Party can't play a more active role in like modern American like socialist or communist like theory and history. The imagery, absolutely. But beyond yeah. that, yeah. Um you wanna read seven?
0: Sure. Uh, revolutionary suicide has significant implications for the future that currently aren't being engaged with on national international level. What is the implication for this lack of engagement with the framing, and what can modern revolutionaries do to re-engage the masses with this idea? I think this uh, kind of ties back in with like kind of what we said a little bit earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Just the or like just like our last question. It is very difficult to kind of get people to be activists in the first place so Mm -hmm. going even one step further and being like a revolutionary is just like even a harder step Mm -hmm. um i think that maybe the first step is to just get people to be activists uh Mm -hmm. and then maybe it's like okay if we can all we're all able to work together to kind of like make these small changes and what if we can make bigger changes um And I think that would be an easier bridge to kind of get, like, to kind of get people over than kind of right now, which is just complete apathy for a lot of folks or
1: despair. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, It's without being in the sort of pressure cooker that Huey was in through his childhood and early adulthood, like, it's... Very difficult to get someone or pretty much anyone, especially in like the imperial core where we are, where most of the worst parts of what makes our lives as good as they are have been abstracted to yeah. a significant degree. Either the work that it occurs is uh, in the us is done by uh, people on the fringes of society. Like in particularly like, uh, I'm thinking of like, uh, uh, quote unquote illegal immigrants slash migrant workers who are solely here at the whim of like the farmer deciding that they don't want to like turn them into uh, INS, um, who are doing all of the agricultural work and all of like the butchering that goes into feeding our country. Um, and then as far as the products that we consume, like all of the poisonous destructive work is happening like so far away from where we are that like we don't, we're we're not in a, a position where we're constantly seeing the the direct harm that capitalism is doing to us and to the world. Um, and there's that. There's also that. Uh, as bad as things are, um, uh, for uh, for minorities in the U.S., like they're they were so much worse.
0: Yeah, that there's that too. Cause like I can see folks being like, things were worse. There, those people who have seen things been worse are still alive and. Mm-hmm they're like, what if things just go back to being worse? Because that has, you know, during the civil rights struggle, that has kind of happened where you got some concessions, but then still get the shit beat out of you by racist-ass cops, you know? So, like, yep. yeah, it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think um, yeah, just trying to get people to care, I think, is, is yeah. what will help.
1: Absolutely. Um, and this is this is a good point to tie in some of those articles again that that I posted cuz like revolutionary suicide like post Huey's book like got picked up by uh Jones and and Jonestown.
0: Oh shit, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. So like he I can't remember his first name. Jones. Jim Jones. There we go. Jim Jones. Uh Jim Jones um, for listeners who haven't listened to the last podcast on the left episode on Jonestown, uh, even though I'm not uh, a last podcast head, uh, or Stan, what have you, um, like, highly recommend that episode. It, they do a fantastic job of it. Uh, but he, Jim Jones loved this book. Mm. Uh, and, like part of his, like, the the white nights, um, do you recall that from the last podcast episode?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Basically, like, the 24 hours, like, everyone is on high alert, like, we're all, like, going to stay up all night and, like, wait for the inevitable attack that is going to come and kill us all. Like, revolutionary suicide played a big part into, like, the speeches that he was giving while he was putting everyone through sleep exhaustion and and also played a big part in like creating the framework where he could have his like higher-ups help him kill 900 people because the the particular like their position was like what we are doing here is so revolutionary the fact that like an American Congress Thousands of miles away might have something to say on whether we continue to exist as like a uh, a society outside of society means that we must commit suicide as a as a form of statement, um, which I, seems like he like the the uptake of the idea was correct but the application of it was wrong.
0: Yeah. Um, also, once again, this motherfucker co-opted black people suffering for his yes. fucking cult. So, like, yes. it is... Yeah. Um, also, dude, cults were just fucking diamond fucking, fucking everywhere. So, like, yeah, I can totally... I Like, I'm not even blaming Huey for this. Like, obviously, someone's like, aha. And also, like, religious texts have also been used to create cults and shit like that. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah, it's um that's quite the fucking interpretation that I would not uh yeah.
1: yeah. Um the the article from Philosophy Now or not philosophy now, psychology now that also talks about like um the 911 attackers and ISIS and um various other like suicide bombers or suicide attackers um the the are all like not framed in this way but they're clearly engaging in revolutionary suicide
0: yes yeah
1: Uh, and i think part of the reason why i mean one reason why they're not being framed that way is like the United States government and like the, the current like political zeitgeist doesn't want to engage with black Panther party ideas as a whole. Um, but the particular idea of revolutionary suicide as well is not one that they would want to engage with or want to bring into the zeitgeist because it's like a very strong, like it's an option. Like, yeah. Uh, we we saw this in the past couple of years with a number of climate activists in the United States self- immolating. Yeah. Uh, and we are probably going to see more of it going forward. and it's it's a question of when, not if I feel like that this will come back into uh, the zeitgeist and and into the American culture as, as a tactic. I especially like see the right doing this more and more Um, because another good example is Anders Breivik. Uh, We've seen a number of like attacks on mosques and attacks on churches and attacks on gay nightclubs where like, they're, they are functionally trying to engage in revolutionary suicide because they're on the right wing and they tend to be white. They tend not to get their way and they tend to be taken alive. But occasionally, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, they do They do die and they do get uh, deified. Um, yep. I'm trying to think of... There's there's definitely a couple. Uh, um, for sure.
1: Uh, is it... Saint Elliot or Saint Rogers?
0: Oh, uh, Rogers. Yeah, but Elliot Rogers. Yeah, but the still yeah. folks. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. Whether it's in a positive way or a negative way, I definitely feel like this is an idea that is ripe for return. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Huey. He probably committed some serious crimes in his life. I mean, we know for certain he stabbed a guy.
0: Yep, stabbed a guy and stole a bunch of shit.
1: Stole a bunch of shit. And, like, stealing a bunch of shit, especially if it's from, like, richer people, fuck it. They didn't really need it. It sucks on, like, an individual level when your shit gets stolen. But in that uneven of a society, like, I'm not surprised. Right. Um, on the other hand, like stabbing a guy, not great. Wouldn't, wouldn't have recommended that move personally in that situation. But Huey's framing of it is like he knew that an attack was coming. He knew based on like the behavior patterns that he had experienced previously in his life and the like cultural patterns that he understood that violence was going to occur. Yep. Um, So I can't necessarily blame him for that one. Uh, But then I wasn't there. Like, maybe he completely misread this situation because we are only getting his his framing of this. Um, And then there were also uh, accusations of physical and sexual assault towards women in the Black Panther Party um, that didn't arise, so far as I'm aware, while he was still alive, um, but have been talked about since it's done. Um, and I 100% believe all of that because it was an incredibly misogynistic time. It still is in a lot of ways. Um, but I mean, as we've already addressed, like. There was absolutely like a sense of infantilization, of of sidelining, of like paying lip service to the rights of women without like actually focusing and enforcing the rights of women. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think like a lot of folks during this time, um, that's there's always gonna be something that's just fucking shitty about them and not always Mm -hmm. but like a good percentage of this um do i think it tarnishes the legacy of black panther party not really like i don't think it made it any worse than it already has uh Mm -hmm. does it fuck up all the 10 tenants or not laws but whatever uh uh that they put forth no not really but um i think it's a serves as a reminder like you need to check your shit sometimes Mm -hmm. and like quite often like you do need to listen to other people who are you know other like women and other folks who are kind of down on the social ladder um you know yeah just because you had a great idea and started a thing like you're still gonna fuck up in some ways or another um granted I I know it seems like fucking up is like stabbing a guy and (laughs) robbing shit and like sexually assaulting people is just a fuck up but yeah um you know like to be quite honest, if all that shit came out about Huey and like the party was like still ongoing, he should have been expelled, yeah. straight up. Like he should have been no. gone. Um. So, and it seems like the party was such a turbulence of like several factions kind of going on that mm-hmm. they didn't really have a process to really deal with these types of people. Like Huey yeah. should have been fucking great. Like the stuff that happened at- before the party kind of happened okay, but like in the party where he took. You know, he has a position of power uh, over these women. Yeah, mm-hmm. he should have been expelled. Um, okay. So, you know, to me, this just says, like, okay, if you're starting a organization, you need to have a code of conduct. You need to be able to, like, deal. Like these situations will come up. Even if you're like, oh, we're all lefties and we respect each other. No, people still have fucking biases or weird shit that will just come up um, out of quote-unquote nowhere. You know, so like, yeah, it's to me, it's just kind of sort of a failure on the Black Panther Party's fault, like on their lines of like not knowing how to deal with like these predators or yeah. other folks in their in their
1: group. Agreed. Um, and so there's frequently like leftist organizations talk about like dual power and like having like parallel institutions. Um, and one that often gets overlooked is, like, as much as we want to live in a world without, like, a justice, like, not a justice system, but, like, a, a system of, like, retribution, um, there does need to be justice. Right. And there does need to be, um, a way for aggrieved, uh, parties to... Correct and uh, properly address the wrongdoings of people in power, and it, it's really important to have that lined up before uh, shit goes down. Because you don't want you don't want to be creating the rules on how somebody's going to be like tried internally when you need to be trying them. Yeah. Because it's going to co- create, it's going to make that creation of that role set itself political.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because uh, then you get the whole like, oh, you're doing this now because, hey, I heard you didn't like that person, or you said kind of a weird comment about them, or oh, you're friends with somebody who doesn't like them. Like, it just creates so much entanglement
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it just could potentially be, uh, yeah, just so, such a problematic thing to even start addressing when these types of situations pop up
1: yeah i i definitely agree though um going back to your initial point that the crimes that he committed like while terrible don't really do much to besmirch the legacy of the black panther party um one as you you noted because It's already got a terrible legacy because of the hegemony of neoliberal politics for the past 40 years has essentially framed everything the Black Panther Party did and stood for as bad and wrong. Um, But then also, I feel like Huey's actions were, because of the nature of the demands of the tenants of the Black Panther Party and the work that it was doing, um they stand outside of huey like to the point where like you and i knew about the black panther party and knew that they had these programs and didn't know that huey and bobby seal just like sat and like talked for 10 hours one day and then decided after weeks of having similar talks put all these together like in a row and just were like okay cool this is us yeah Um, so the fact that they can stand alone so well, and like, obviously, like fit the needs of the black population in particular, but minority populations, um, throughout the U.S., um, really goes to show just how strong the ideas themselves were and still are. Um, so I, I, I really do want to, like, we need to find a book that is just like the history of the Black Panther Party, and like it. I hope it's three thousand pages long.
0: Yeah, for real. Like we we've definitely covered you know key figures, and but we need the we need the whole full story, not these you know not just their involvement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to get a, a fuller picture for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if what if it doesn't exist? Are we going to have to write it?
0: Yeah, I guess we'll just have to do all the research and write it. It's fine. It's cool.
1: Okay. Uh, We better start soon, because a lot of the uh, primary sources are pretty old now.
0: This is true. Old and or not in this country anymore. So, uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, uh, we got 2023 lined up. So that's good.
0: Yeah. We already got all set. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, for our last question, cults what cults why cults now um why why
1: cults always
0: yeah for real um so i guess why why do you type cults question mark uh maybe give a bit more of a background so
1: early on when i was reading this book a lot of names popped up of like people from the earlier chapters where huey was like getting some influence from, was working with, and then was becoming disappointed in them for one reason or another. And every time I looked them up, they turned out to be a cult leader. And uh, I don't know if it like was just like were were they particularly like charismatic or was it like, was it something in the air at the time, like figuratively or literally? Like this is a period where we see a lot of cults pop up, and a lot of those cults are tied to like leftist movements, um, like, and we see uh, the pickup of this idea in uh, with Jim Jones and his cult, um, and it's it's just uh, what what is it about the time or the place or the ideas that leaves the the, like intermingling of these people and these places and these ideas and cults. So I
0: think perhaps, uh, hopefully I don't seem very dismissive of folks, but I think probably during the time, especially for a lot of black folks, uh, there was like, it's very turbulent, like Mm -hmm. just, even worse turbulent i think or just like Mm -hmm. it seemed to be like getting worse especially like after world war ii you kind of got the like okay yeah we served the army uh we we fought the nazis we come back home and get the shit beat out of us you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that so i think perhaps there was like no like uh and then you have the civil rights movement and then martin luther king jr gets shot you have also had malcolm x who gets murdered so like everything's pretty fucked, right? Mm -hmm. There's no Mm -hmm. obvious leader. So I think people were probably looking for a leader Mm -hmm. to, like, go off with and maybe have a better chance at life. And, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, cults will do the whole, like, oh, yeah, all your problems are this thing. If you submit to me, we can, like, change all your shit. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, when you're, like, the when the state doesn't give a shit about you and wants to kind of sort of actively murder you, yeah, maybe going with this guy who sounds pretty good and talk about liberation and other things like that. And it sounds pretty great. Like, it sounds like a a great thing to kind of just go and like join. Uh, As for why cult leaders, I think a lot of people, I I mean, I think it's just like any other fucking sociopath or whatever. They just see see the victims and kind of, you know, see what's going on. And then just like, all right, this is my niche right Mm -hmm. here. I'm going to get, like mostly black folks or are we gonna get a bunch of runaway white kids you know like Mm -hmm. that i think that's kind of like there's like these niches that some people like to just fall into and of course you know drugs that
1: yeah drugs
0: and alcohol and just a bunch of other shit that will probably just will kind of get your mind into a really dumbass state of like yeah this seems like a good idea even though you Mm -hmm. yeah If you thought maybe five minutes more, not sober, you're like, "Oh, I would never do that," you know, or yeah. "I wouldn't really do that."
1: That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so since we started uh our season three, I guess technically whatever, sure, three seasons. Uh, we're gonna do uh for January and February. Uh, dawn of everything
1: maybe maybe it'll just be january
0: maybe just be january but just we'll to just Probably. to like uh, just to hedge our bets because knowing right. us uh we're at the very least in january going to get through chapters 1 through 6 inclusive so it reads chapters 1 through 6 make sure you're on to, up to chapter 7 don't reach past yes. chapter 7 and then in february chapter 7 through 12 which is finishes up the book and then in March oh, have we said
1: what the book is.
0: Yeah, I said dawn of everything. But it's okay. dawn of everything. Okay. Dawn of everything. Dawn of everything. And then the in, wait, the dawn of what? Dawn of shut up. Dawn of everything. <laughs> uh, and then not just in, some things. <laughs> everything. Um and then in March, we're doing state and revolution because Rosa Luxemburg, I feel like I need to figure out who she fucking replying to. And I want to mm-hmm. see. I kind of want to compare notes between what she wrote and kind of what he wrote. And then Mm -hmm. we don't have to read that other motherfucker Bernstein or whatever the fuck his name was. Don't need to read that guy. He's an idiot. So he
1: is, he is an idiot. I'm excited to read state and revolution. I've listened to other people read it, but it'll be fun to read.
0: Yeah. All right. uh, Is there anything else before we do our sign off?
1: Um, listener, if you can hear me now, go to the white house. Pour gasoline on yourself. Light yourself on fire. Uh,
0: In Minecraft.
1: <laughs> in Minecraft.
0: In Minecraft. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is such a weird indie, but whatever. We probably ended on worse.
1: Um, I, this is, yeah, This is not the first time I've told a listener to kill themselves. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. But this is this the first time that I've told them to do that with a political aim in mind? Also probably not. <laughs> have have i always been a proponent of revolutionary suicide without realizing it who knows
0: uh the answer is yes actually yeah it seems like yeah um yeah anyway yeah. don't do what jimmy says however probably not
1: Now's however, not the right time now
0: it's not the right time however if you're feeling
1: it though mm, mm, if you're f- for the right reasons if you're feeling it
0: <laughs> for the right reasons oh my goodness okay <laughs> Uh, Not anyway. just cause you're sad. <laughs> oh boy, this is this is getting spicy at the end. Uh,
1: we are pro life. If you're just chemically suicidal,
0: <laughs> I, but seriously, I mean, go get help. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, books are good. Good, actually. actually.